Dan Gendron is with us. Hello, sir. How are you today? Good morning, Roger. I'm well. How are you? Good. So what this program is not is about uh, taking apart the top news story of the morning, though. Uh, so we're not going to unrecognize it. It was covered by all three Providence television stations and by the Valley Breeze and by the Woonsocket Call. And that was um, basically the story in which Denise Sierra has uh, put a nine-item complaint in to remove the mayor from the city of Woonsocket. We're not having Mr. Gendron here to um, uh, take that apart. That will be covered, I believe, uh, when it is presented to the city council, right? Is that the way the procedure will work, right? It, well, it has already been presented. The complaint's been presented to the city council, and then there will be a hearing scheduled. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that hearing, um, we will take up the actual complaint and then decide on its merit and allow the mayor an opportunity to defend um, or comment on those complaints and um, see where the council goes from there. All right. So um, before we get to the interview, the actual uh, statement by Mr. Gendron was, I received a copy of the complaint. I've read it through. I think it's compelling. I think it speaks for itself. I'm reserving judgment until we have the hearing, and I will respect the process and see where it leads. So that's about uh, all we're going to do on uh, on that subject. Could that be brought up, though, at Monday night's uh, meeting? Probably not. I mean, somebody could bring it up on the good and welfare or something, but it really, uh, I won't uh, allow it to be uh, discussed in any detail or depth because it is going to be taking up at, at the hearing that we're going to schedule probably for so, next week. All right, so the hearing will be separate from the city council meeting. Yes, it will. Okay, welcome to our program. And uh, like I said, Mr. Gendron, uh, when when we uh, arranged to have him here, um, we asked him to come on as a candidate for re-election. And you've got plenty to talk about in that department uh, as um, a uh, council member. Maybe uh, how many years uh, have you been serving uh, Winsocket and uh, and maybe as you just give the number of years, you might want to say, uh, and uh, we had a, a budget commission at one time, and and I have to tell you, you have a taxpayer here in the studio that was looking at a real estate tax cut. So uh, I guess it can go within uh, one, one person's uh, legacy uh, as a council member, it can go from from good to bad to good again, right? Yeah, well, to, first of all, um, I was first elected to the city council in uh, 2009, and I served then with, um, uh, under, well, with Mayor Leo Fontaine, and then um, we, we went through up until this point. But a few of the highlights in that time, as you pointed out, um, there were some good times, there were some bad times, and with the Budget Commission, um, the, there was a... A time in which the city council, uh, the the budget commission wanted to, well, for lack, they wanted to neuter the city council, and the budget commission um, felt that they were going to override all of the efforts of the city council. And I was one of the most vocal people during that time um, to keep some authority with the city council for the day-to-day businesses and worked more collaboratively with many of the city of the uh, budget commission members. So um, we worked through that budget commission and got through. The budget commission was with two administrations. Uh, It was uh, under Lisa Baldelli-Hunt and under Mayor Leo Fontaine. Um, So both 
both administrations had experience with dealing with that difficult process. Um, but since then, I'd like to highlight some of the good things. Um, one is that over the last six years, um, prior to this year, the city council, and uh, oftentimes in objection to the administration and the mayor's budget, um, has seen through a tax levy decrease for the last six consecutive years. And that is coming out of the Budget Commission, where the Budget Commission said, uh, you know, there's going to be gloom and doom for many years. And with that, the City Council, um, with a lot of collaboration and cooperation among its members, uh, would fight and scrutinize the budget. And we were able to, for six years, to bring that down. And in the last six years, or the previous six years, we lowered the tax levy by almost $9 million dollars. And people lose sight of that, but when you look at what, if you go back in your, your, uh, your tax bills and you look at what you were paying for taxes when the Budget Commission left and compare that to today, um, you will see a, a huge decrease. And, and many of those years, as you know, Roger, you, you cover the news, um, the mayor vetoed uh, several of those attempts by the city council to lower the tax levy. Um, Fortunately, on many of those occasions, we had the ability to override the veto and, and extend a reduced um, budget tax levy to the taxpayers and, and, and then ultimately lowering their tax burden. Um, but I will tell you, when you look back, <clears throat> we this year had to do the responsible action. And after six years and a $9 million cut in the levy... Um, we had to maintain structural integrity in the budget. And there was things that were being um, missed. There was, uh, in the mayor's budget, she missed um, any funding for the school department, any additional funding for the school department. Uh, we increased that. She uh, had missed uh, allocating money for the pending police contract and expiring fire union contract. Um, so we included that stuff. Um, there was other things that we had to amend and in doing that, um, in order to maintain the integrity of the budget, we had to extend a less than 1% uh, levy increase. And so what I will tell you is the city council controls the tax levy. <coughs> we control the tax rate. What we don't control is the revaluation process. That's an administration function. We don't control sending out tax bills. We don't control putting together the data that is used once the council sets the levy and the tax rate. So that being said, when you look at what happened, I will say, and I think this needs to be pointed out to everyone, if your tax bill went up by more than 0.9%, this year, 0.9%, not 9%, but by more than 0.9%, that increase is the result of revaluation. Anything in your tax bill that went up by more than 0.9% was not the function of the levy increase. It was the function of revaluation. And I've heard people on the radio saying that um, they got ridiculous tax bills in. Um, some of them that were triple what they should be. And, and um, some people are reporting that, that they've gotten phone calls explaining and apologizing for those ridiculous increases. But 
Understand that all of those things, the mailing of the tax bills, the processing of the tax bills, the, those are functions of the administration. The city council has no control over that. And what we do control, we control very well. And I, I want to point out right now, as you look at the city council that sits there today, this city council, and, and don't listen to me, look at the facts. Look at the voting record of the last 22 months. And you will see that more often than not, most of the votes were 7 to 0 or unanimous uh, if somebody was missing. But that being said, it is important to recognize that I want people to understand that the increase in the levy was to avoid future structural deficits. And there's people that said we could have used APRA money. Well, the public, safe, uh, public works director, Steve D'Agostino, has repeatedly told the council that there is so much infrastructure improvement that he could do alone, that he could spend all of the APRA funds just trying to bring the infrastructure up to speed. And that is what APRA should be used for. One-time, single-use um, infrastructure-type projects. To use it to supplement a operating budget is a huge mistake, and that is what leads you to future deficits. And, and that's what this city council unanimously supported uh, the budget that was amended to create a structurally sound budget this year. Mr. Gendron, when the mayor was here for her hour last week, she, uh, she talked about the city council in a different, <laughs> different way than you just talked about it. She said that um, sh the voters should support anybody but the four council members, because Denise Sierra is not running, anybody but the four council members. Um, she, she said, I'll take anybody than the four. So... Um, so you see it as a strong council, and uh, she wants to get rid of it. Uh, why did she? Why did she just go out of her way in that uh, speech to uh, to identify you and three other members as uh, people that we shouldn't vote for? Well, <clears throat> I don't know, Roger, but I will tell you: um, go back and watch the tapes, listen to to comments that are made. I have been council president for six years I have gone out of my way to extend olive branches to uh, encourage collaboration and cooperation I, I have gone out of my way to try and keep council meetings um, productive and efficient and in doing that the one thing that I thought would happen is that I was able to build cooperation and collaboration with the seven counselors. And it's not a function of just me. It was a function of the seven people that are sitting there. And in doing that, we were able to harmonize what I don't understand. And I have, I've had a problem understanding is why the mayor is so resistant to coming into that harmony that the council enjoys. And whenever... The mayor has said to me or to uh, uh, my colleagues that she has ideas and she presents them as a, um, an alternative to something or a way to do a, a project. We always, 
entertained it, listened to it, gave feedback, and more often than not, supported what the mayor wanted to do. Where the problem is, is that when you have things like the police contract, you know, the police contract expired. And back, um, the mayor negotiated a one-year contract that expired on June 30th, 2020. And that contract expired. It was already gone when it, when it expired. And so since 2020, June 30th of 2020, the mayor's been attempting to negotiate a new police contract. And that has been ineffective. Now, understand, we have a budgeted police force of 101 people, 101 officers. Um, we're running in the, the mid-80s right now for police officers because, as the chief says, he can't attract. And then he has, on the other side, he has a problem with retention. So we can't attract new and we can't retain old. And part of that is we have a police department that's at the lowest compensation rate, uh, one of the lowest compensation rates in the state. And we had several meetings with the administration and, uh, you know, we asked for updates and we asked for um, information on where those negotiations were going. And they were going nowhere. And so the city council, in cooperation and collaboration with the administration, presented a proposal. And we did that in executive session with the mayor, um, said this is what, what we'd like to see happen. And that contract was executed. It was approved by the city council unanimously. The mayor's veto of that uh, uh, ordinance was overridden unanimously. And the police union voted uh, overwhelmingly by a huge majority to go along with that contract. So that contract is now signed, sealed, delivered. The problem is the mayor refuses to execute it. So in one of the harshest times in, in this, the, the, as government is going right now, we're now poking the police department in the eye. They have a contract. It's been executed. It needs to be um, delivered. And the mayor refuses. And we have a legal opinion from the solicitor who says it's legal. Um, the union attorney says it's legal. And that is just an example of, tell me, Roger, why the mayor cannot cooperate with the city council when we're doing... Nobody did this for self-gratification. The city council did it because we want to help and, and preserve the police department and give the chief the ability to bring in new people. When you have a break-in at your house, Roger, um, you want to be able to call the police department and know that we've got a full complement ready to protect you. So here's my opportunity finally to clarify this. So are you saying that we have a police contract? Has anybody, first of all, signed it? Has anybody on the city side signed it? Have you signed it? Has she signed it? I, I, it? I, have, I have signed it. Okay. So. And that was with full authority through a resolution right. and an ordinance. So we have a signed council. contract? Yes. Okay. And does it say when it goes into effect or, or, or it, it probably postdates itself in the sense you've got to make up some money that didn't get paid? Correct. Back okay. to 2020. Are you saying the resistance is that the finance department isn't paying the police officers the new money that they should be getting in this contract? Yes. All right. And so 
that would be the finance director that could actually, does she do the payroll? She does not do the payroll. Uh-huh. Um, and I have been told unofficially and um, that the, the brakes have been put on uh, at a much higher level. All right. So we have the contract, but you're saying, uh, so we'll understand it, the mayor is holding back implementation, meaning the pay raises. Correct. And the benefits, whatever they are. Correct. And, and as you saw, um, the mayor said on, on a, a news show last night um, that she will not enforce ordinances that she feels are illegal. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's very responsible of her to say. And I, I think that she has a duty to mm-hmm. question if she believes something is legal. But when you have an attorney um, who is the solicitor of the city of Winsocket says it is legal... Um, at some point, you have to just realize you have to do what the law requires. All right. So uh, that's um, an issue uh, out there. So if I'm a police officer, I'm not getting my pay increase that's been negotiated, signed, sealed, and not delivered. Correct. And just to be clear, it's they're going on their third payroll cycle um, now, Without waiting it. waiting for that pay raise. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm good <clears throat> on that. All right. Um, now... I want to bring up, uh, since you mentioned compensation of the police department, one of the things that has been talked about, I think, um, I don't know who's really uh, said this, um, but our, uh, the rest of the employees, uh, highway, fire department, uh, you know, uh, and those in the administration like finance director, and uh, is, there a, is there enough money in the budget to fairly compensate them uh, are we uh, are we raising those salaries uh, up so that at least they're attractive? Maybe it's not attractive work at City Hall, but uh, <laughs> but are the are the wages at least attractive enough right now? They are, and and to just point out a few things: one, we've we've had several employees uh, have departed City Hall and gone to other employment. In some cases, at significantly less money than they were making at Winsocket City Hall. And as you know, um, there was an individual who filed a complaint with the Department of Labor. And in that complaint, she specifically said that working in City Hall is a toxic environment. And so um, sometimes money doesn't matter. But to your point, and and you used an, an interesting word, you said, is everyone fairly compensated? And I think that's interesting because when you look at the mayor's proposed budget from uh, this year, when you look at that, it was not fair. And what happened was there was people that were handpicked and favorites that were getting raises and other people who um, maybe on the, the, the friend side weren't getting raises at all. So as one of the actions of the city council, we simply took that and made it fair, to your point. Um, everyone under our budget received a 3% raise or a minimum of $500 because some people would have actually made less and we didn't, we didn't do that. So everybody uh, made a 3% raise or a, five, a minimum of $500 increase. And that was done without any 
you know, it was impartial the way we did it. It, it. And so when you say, is everyone fairly compensated? When you look at our budget, yes. Um, when you look a few meetings ago, we had the union representative from 670, who is our, you know, our laborers for the, the highway department. He came and advocated for the, the contract and asked the city council to support that contract because it was making things fair. It was raising some people who were probably artificially held down. And so it was making it fair. The police contract that the city council was able to pass makes pay the pay fair. Um, what it doesn't do, we can make everything fair financially. Um, we need to find a way to detoxify city hall. Um, and, and that doesn't mean just paying more money because, as you know, Roger, what's that saying? You know, if you're happy doing your job, you never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let's try and make people happy to be at City Hall. This is the Upfront program. We're interviewing Dan Gendron running for re-election in the November election. No primary. Only 13 candidates turned out. Would it have taken... 14 or 15 to trigger the primary? Is it the 15th vote? 15th vote. The 15th vote. I'm 15th candidate, right. yes. Only 13, no primary, so you don't, um, you won't see their names on the ballot for either mayor, city council, or school committee Tuesday, election day. But you will in November. And uh, we're talking with the candidates, and uh, we've um, gone through um, about three quarters of uh, the names on our list and others to come. Larry for Vern Rainville. Well, here's a question for you from Vern Rainville. Do you have frozen pipes or ice dams causing some damage to your home last winter? Well, this is probably covered by insurance. And did you know that you have two years to file a claim? Call Vern Rainville, the local adjuster that represents you, not the insurance company. Vern is a licensed public adjuster by the state of Rhode Island and will work for you to initiate a claim. You can call Vern Rainville today at 484-300-8495 for a free, no-obligation, in-home consultation. All calls are returned in less than 24 hours. And Vern, uh, Vern says um, that uh, you don't have to go it alone. Vern is there uh, at no charge uh, to you. You can have him come in. And uh, look at your damages, and Vern will even come and look at your settlement sheet. For even uh, even if you've tried to handle it yourself, uh, he he's not offended by that. Some people get frustrated and they call Vern at the eleventh hour, but that's okay because he can uh, he can go back on things and solve things for you. Vern Rainville, he's a good guy to know. All right, what's uh, next on my schedule here? Next is, um, oh, Bob Phillips' uh, message. And now a message from State Representative District 51, Robert D. Phillips. With early voting taking place August 24th for the September 13th primary election, now is not the time to skip voting. There is a progressive movement trying to take control of our state. The ultra-liberal co-op is putting forward a wave of candidates, and our District 51, representing Winsocket and Cumberland, is under attack by a candidate who will do the bidding of the socialist movement of my opponent and her cohorts. 
I have a record of only furthering the agenda of my constituents, the good voters of District 51, not progressive or party agendas. This important primary election will decide this state representative race. So if you would like to continue to have your voice heard, cast your vote for Robert Phillips, state representative, District 51. Paid for by friends of Bob Phillips. Well, this is Thursday, and that means Savini's Pomodoro will be open at 4 o'clock this afternoon. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they open at noontime. It's a great restaurant. Nice appetizers on the chef's uh, specials menu right now. New England clam chowder and clam cakes. And also on the appetizer menu is a nice small order of fried clams. However, when you uh, move on to the entrees, you're going to see some some real good uh, things like the grilled ribeye steak. Absolutely delicious. And also uh, the the very famous porchetta. And it's on the chef's special menu. That's braised pork with fennel and garlic and oregano. Nicely spiced and very delicious. Served with potato and also the daily fresh vegetable. So it is um, a nice menu, generally speaking, when you look at the menu. But the chef's specials uh, give you a few extra choices. So what are you doing this weekend? Uh, How how about um, stopping in at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar? You don't have to uh, travel very far. That's what my wife says about living in Woonsocket. <laughs> that uh, you want, um, you know, uh, Chinese food or Italian food or Thai food or any other kind of food. You can find it within um, within five minutes of, uh, of the house. Yeah, that's just one advantage. Uh, anyway, the number to call for the reservation, 762-5114. You'll find Savini's. At 476 Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. All right, there's a um, church um, concert this coming Sunday. We're going to tell you about Then we'll talk again with Dan Gendron. Christ Community Church of Blackstone presents an opportunity to enhance your Christian faith. You're invited to a contemporary Christian concert with Jonas and Becky Woods, providing the inspiration. Join us Sunday, September 11th at 2 o'clock at Christ Community Church, 31 Church Street, Blackstone. Admission by free will donation. Jonas has been performing nationally for 20 years and has been featured on MTV and VH1. And his music has been written for NBC. Jonas Williams is passionate about spreading the gospel through his musical performances. Lock in that date, Sunday, September 11th at Christ Community Church, 31 Blackstone Street, Blackstone. Sponsored by Dean Bank, Blackstone Automotive, MG Painting Contractors, and the law offices of John F. Pelizari. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, some uh, political questions coming in. You don't mind uh, answering them? Uh, no, from? no. All right, because uh, this is your hour to shine. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, as uh, shiny as it can be. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, one one guy, Joe, says, uh, looking at his email, I see hiring as the executive branch function and not the legislative function. And so he, or, well, he, it is a he, he says his name is Joe in the email. He, um, I guess, uh, is wondering why other mayors like uh, Fontaine and Menard were allowed to make their choices, but this administration is not. So this person is siding with the mayor uh, on this question. But um, uh, but the question is out there. It's one of the issues uh, maybe in the campaign. She's made so, it an issue in the campaign. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't fully understand the question, but I will say um, we, we the mayor has absolute 
right to hire who she wants for her positions. Uh, where the council has tried to assist that process is in um, making the, the pay, the compensation for those people fair. Um, we, there's only a few positions that the council even has a say in. Um, we don't control the tax assessor, um, and she isn't able to hire a tax assessor. We don't control the treasurer's position, and there's no treasurer. We don't control the hiring of a building official, um, and there's no building official. We, you know, we had the planning director um, leave. We have zoning officials leaving. Um, we don't have a say in those hirings at all. So, um I, I kind of agree with Joe that we we don't get involved in it, and we don't, um, except to the extent that we try to give her, um, make the pay fair so that we can retain or attract people. Uh, an emailer is, uh, has a question on the, um, I guess you would say, I, it's do you call this a recall that would uh, be going on? Uh, well, no, no or it's, just it's just a complaint right, at this removal. point. Yeah. Okay, do you mind taking a question on it? We said that, uh, I don't know, do you, do you consider this a um, re-election matter? Or? Well, listen, I, I don't have the opportunity to talk to the people much, so mm -hmm. if there's a quick question, I'm right. happy to answer it. So this person writes, so why did the council wait so long to try to remove the mayor? I guess thinking that all the stuff in the complaint was known long ago. I don't know. Well, what do you think? I, I'll, I'll give you my answer, and then I've spoken to Councilwoman Sierra, too, so I'll give you a little bit of what she said. But first of all, um, when we censured the mayor, which for people know it's a censure is a warning, um, I expected that things would be resolved then. So I never expected to get to this point, and it's unfortunate that the mayor has gotten us to this point. But um, that being said, I think in speaking with Councilwoman Sierra, the the straw that broke the camel's back was the uh, lack of payment to the police officers. And I think that um, everyone expected that we were going to limp through this election process and that the mayor would never um, violate a contract to pay our police officers. And I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back. But, but let me say this to you, uh, Roger. If, if we have a police officer... And I respect our police officers. And if a police officer is heading back to the police station and he's at the end of his shift, similar to the city council, we're all elected. We're heading towards the end of our shift. And if the police officer was heading back to the police station and he saw a drunk driver, should he look at that and say, you know what, my shift's almost done. Um, I'm going to let that go and just ignore that. Or, similar to the city council... Do you reach a point where he says, this guy's swerving all over the road, he's going to kill somebody, I'm going to pull him over, even though I'm at the end of my shift? And so, where do you draw that line where you say, you're at the end of your shift and you can start ignoring things? For me, that is not until the next council is sworn in. And I will do my job as a councilman, as an elected Councilman, and I don't forget, I was elected by the same people who elected the mayor and who elected the other councilors. I will do my job till the last day of my term. And if it means it looks funny and people are uncomfortable with it, I don't think that's any reason that I should shirk my duties and not do my job. Let's uh, review some of the um, issues uh, out there. 
One of them uh, is uh, that Bopalant uh, thing. Uh, so he made a presentation along with uh, a few of uh, the people on the Canal District Committee to the council. And the council uh, got an idea of what uh, the Canal District is all about. Um, is Mr. Bopalant's idea about the Canal District a council matter? Is, or is it just informational that you guys know about it? Because it's not really your project to fund or pass legislation on. Is it or isn't it? Well, funding could come from, in, by the way, of the city council. Mm -hmm. um, but just to be clear, I, I am the one who created the subcommittee to have this plan studied. Um, we have two counselors that are on the subcommittee. And is, is the, as you refer to it, the Bopalant plan, is it a good plan? Will it ever come to fruition? Well, I don't know. But I can tell you the death knell would be to not look at it, to not investigate it, to not listen to people who have ideas. And is that the way we want to govern? That if it's not my way, it's the highway? If it's not my idea, it's a bad idea? I don't agree with that. And I think that when you have a, a group of volunteers that are willing to invest their time into something they believe in, we have a duty and a responsibility to listen to them and, if, if needed, support them and, and advance the project if it's worthy. Um, I don't know that we're there yet, but I certainly would never want to discourage the creative genius of anybody that wants to bring something forward. Uh, officially, it's called the Woonsocket Heritage Canal District Committee. Yes. So, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, there was a suggestion that maybe some members of the Woonsocket City Council may be trying to stall or undermine the project at Cass Park. And uh, so, I was uh, wondering, um, are you a proponent of the uh, Cass Park project? Uh, or where do, you, uh, where do you stand on it? I don't see it related to Barry Field. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay, so yeah. a few things. One, I'm absolutely in support of bringing um, a viable football field to the Cass Park area. Um, what, I, what I am a big proponent in is information and facts. And what I will tell you is that we have a comprehensive plan that was created, passed by the planning board, um, presented to the city council back in 2017, which showed a plan for doing just that, bringing a viable football field to the to the park. Um, what I need to know is why that plan has changed. So now, what we we hear is that there's money to be made by removing and and tearing apart Cass Park, and that's possible. First of all, I don't know what that money is dollar-wise. But then if we start doing that, sometimes the money you make in doing that will be more than offset by the cost to repair what you've done. And I just want to do what's best for the city. And so I like the look of Cass Park. I like that that rough terrain feel um my daughter was on a, a cross-country running team and i was a coach on that and i used to run with the the track team through those woods and it was fun and it was a nice area to run cross-country um i'd hate to see that go but i'm not completely opposed to it but what i am opposed to is making decisions when i don't have all of the facts 
And I don't understand why we've got uh, the John R. Dion track is there now. It is the same size as the North Smithfield complex. They have a football field in the middle of their track. Um, we're potentially buying the whole Kong property at Monday night's meeting. Um, that'll give us the access. We could put the football field right in the middle of the track. A lot less money than developing a whole new structure. Um, and I think I do want to see an athletic complex there. Um, but I just don't know that tearing out the gravel is the the right move at this point. There's a and, suggestion in your answer that uh, the owner of Hokong has settled on the eighty thousand, uh, eight hundred thousand. Yes, there uh-huh. is a yes. Okay, is that the end of the answer on Cass Park? Or yes, that, I'll stop you? there. Yes. Okay, Barry Field. That may have been answered last Friday on on WNRI. I don't think it's going to be much of an issue anymore because, as Lynn Bouvier Kapiskus uh, explained, I'm a member of the school committee. That's our property. We have schools to build, and uh, that could very well be the location of our next school. That might be the end of the story. Right? Uh, it, and, and to that point, it's always been the school committee's right. pro- property. Uh, Sandra writes, uh, she sends... Uh, Emails from uh, time to time. Good morning, Roger and Dan. I always voted for you and will vote for you this time. Disagreed with the tax hike, but the good news is that it was only $20.40. I also disagree with impeaching Mayor Lisa, but that isn't my call. This year's council election should be interesting. I think you'd agree with that. Right? <laughs> yes. Right. right. Uh, you're one of the top three dogs on my list. Good luck. <laughs> well, yes, I wish your family the best. Well, thank you, Sandra. I appreciate uh, that, and I appreciate your support. All right. Um, so now we move from uh, from Barry Field and Cass Park to the question that uh, all of the council candidates can't answer because there is no answer. But we always put it on the table, and that's um, the odor problem, Cinegrow. Most of the time, wastewater treatment plant, some of the time, put together an issue. So I do think that there is, um, th- it is an interesting question, and I, I think it's something that we're getting closer to. Um, as you know, we had a, a problem over the summer with discharge into the Blackstone River. Um, that discharge identified some serious problems, and the Public Works Director has has spoken to the City Council about those. Um, and there is another example, Roger, that the opera funds may be necessary to resolve some of those issues. There is, is a genuine problem, or a real problem, that needs to be addressed. And that is something that opera funds will be properly spent on, a one-time project that will make uh, the city better. That being said, I think it is forcing a lot of people to look at our wastewater and Cinegro processing differently. And there may be some changes that need to be made, but unfortunately, it's not as simple as what some people used to say that just put a cover over the tanks. Um, I think we're finding out that the problem may be um, not only mechanical or structural, but um, contractual. So 
there there are some changes, but I think it's just one more reason why we're fortunate to have the opera funds, and we have to be careful how we use them because, like every other fund, um, it's limited, and when it's gone, it's gone. A question that kind of uh, you could answer for all seven members of the Woonsocket City Council is uh, watching the City Council on television or listening to it on radio or attending in person, is that like the tip of the iceberg, meaning that um, people don't realize that when the council meets, that is just one slice of uh, what it's like to be a council member. And and I think uh, people in either voting an incumbent back into office or bringing somebody into office uh, should know the work involved. I think it's um, it's not only a slice, it is a, a minuscule sliver of the work that goes into it. I, I can't tell you how much time... Every day is spent um, talking with constituents, looking at projects, uh, looking at problems that people call you about, um, you know, going to uh, events that you're invited to as an elected official. Uh, all of those things are time consuming. Um, I will tell you, nobody can be doing this for the money. Um, when you calculate, I, I had my accountant when I was doing my taxes one time. He looked at it. He said, you're not making minimum wage here with the, the amount of time you put in. I used to keep track of my actual, I used to log my time doing city council work. He said, you're not making minimum wage. And I said, no, but um, like, like some of my colleagues, we're not doing this for the money. Um, and it, it is extremely uh, time consuming for a part-time position. Uh, keep in mind, the seven counselors and the five school committee members, those are all part-time positions. And, and most of those people um, have full-time jobs. Another emailer writes, uh, when the mayor violates the charter, uh, she cannot unilaterally do what she wants. Someone needs to remind her of that fact. And I guess Denise Sierra did. So. Well, and, and we did that with the censure, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's the reminder. Uh, unfortunately, she didn't respond. Do you have earphones uh, that you can put on? I... All right. So uh, we do have uh, a caller. We're going to press the button. Um, what is your comment or your question, please? Uh, I have uh, two comments. Number one, I have a question and a comment. Number one, what does the acronym Oprah stand for? Okay, let's take it one at a time. Okay. What does that stand so for? It, it's not OPRA, it's APRA. It's American Rescue Plan Act, and it's the money that the federal government sent to communities um, during the COVID crisis. All right, moving okay, on. Okay, so it's COVID money, basically. Yes, yes, yes. But okay, there is there is a determination COVID was something else, too, so we're, we're very specific with that acronym. Okay, so that... That's APRA. Not, I keep hearing it as Oprah. No. So thank you, thank you for that. Second thing, I mentioned it yesterday to Mr. What's-His-Name, Susie, I guess, and I keep seeing ads on TV for something called Poof. I don't know if it's any good, but they claim that municipalities use it to not mask odors, but to uh, Absorb disintegrate them. them. Yes. Okay? okay? Okay, thank you. That's and, it for me. Right, thank and you. we can write down that word just as Mr. Susie did yesterday. And um, then uh, the council uh, members will 
look into uh, that and see whether it's used by other cities or towns to uh, deal with offensive odors in in their communities. So, any but you've re- addressed it. You're uh, you think finally that the council or somebody may find some kind of a way out of the odor problem. I, we're getting closer. Yes. One more uh, comment here. What is your question or your comment, please? A uh, question I have is that I was watching the uh, the council meeting, yeah, and there was a forty thousand dollar expenditure for mm-hmm. legal services that the yeah. uh, solicitor said that he had no idea what the, what it was that yeah. they had taken forty thousand dollars out of his budget. Okay, I'll pick up on that <clears throat> with uh, Mr. Gendron. Now that forty thousand dollars that uh, he's mentioning is uh, cited in the complaint that uh, Denise Sierra has uh, issued to uh, to the council. And so, th- again, that will be brought up at the hearing when you have a hearing uh, for the mayor to answer those charges, right? Correct. So um, so it's there, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll explore that on, um, you know, when it comes uh, as a news story. Right now we're talking about Dan Gendron being reelected. So... Um, if you're knocking on my door, are you doing any door knocking in this campaign? Or uh, well, I, I mean, you said you used to run run uh, with your daughter, uh, yeah, as yeah. a coach. So you're running around town. I still I still run every morning. I um I, I do I do like to to do that. But anyways, that's that's a side step. Um, we will be uh, walking, or I will be walking after the primary. Um, I did not want, and it's very intentional. I did not want to put up a sign or. Um, go out and knock on doors because then it it confuses people when you don't have a primary, when you're not on a primary and and they're going to vote and if I've successfully convinced them to vote for me, they get to the primary and they can't find me and then it's, so it's not necessarily a good move, Um, but I will be going door to door and and the thing is can I take a minute? Yeah, why vote for you? Yeah, so so here's the thing, I'm a a known entity um, I don't think anyone that has spoken with me or, or has the time to, to talk with me, I don't think anyone feels that I've done this for my political gain. Um, there's been times throughout my city council career where people have, have, have accused me of just setting myself up to become mayor, to run for mayor. Um, that has never been my goal. I have a great job at Friendly Nursing Home, which I do uh, full-time, and I've been there for 41 years. I do not have a desire to be mayor. I have always wanted to be an effective and efficient city councilman. And I have done my best over my time as a city councilman to do that. And I hope that people can look past the polarizing statements of political and personal attacks. Um, Look at me for what I've done. Don't look at me for how I say a word. If if I say a word incorrectly, um, that's that's a personal flaw. And I'm not saying there's something specific, but it's a personal flaw. Look at my performance as a city councilman. Look at how I have gone out of my way to protect the taxpayers, the residents of the city. And I want to be clear that I expand. You hear a lot of people say, I I want to help the taxpayer. I'm not here to help just the taxpayer. I'm here to help the residents of the city. 
And some of that comes by way of of making pay raises fair uh, for our employees. Other things come as as six years of tax decreases. Um, that is how you can help people. The other thing is that by supporting um, improvements to our parks or supporting improvements to our um, road reconstruction. You know, Director D'Agostino um, often comes out and he is he is great and I appreciate him. He will often say, I've done this with the cooperation of the city council. And, and that is the thing. When Director D'Agostino wants to do a project, he brings it to the city council. He presents it. He tells us what he wants to do. And then he either gets a yay or a nay. And most oftentimes he gets a yay because it's something that we see as a benefit for the, the community. So that is Dan Gendron. And Dan Gendron, the counselor... Um, is asking for your support based on what you've seen me do over my years on the city council. And there's going to be a lot of negativity and it's going to be that, you know, I picked on people or I did. That is, that is not me. And, and if, if anything, someone personally will criticize me sometimes because I always want to have fun. And when I talk to somebody and they say, um, you know, councilman, and I'm, I'm like, it's it's me and you, Roger. It's Dan and Roger. I'm not I'm not so hung up on these titles that I want that to be defining of me. But what I will tell you is, when I walk into the chambers, when I'm working on a project for the city, I take it seriously. I commit myself to it. I give the time that is required, and I have done that with my time over my tenure. And I hope. That as the campaign goes nasty, as I think it's going to, and it's not going to be nasty by me, um, I think that I want people to, to please remember the Dan Gendron that has given his time, time away from his family, to do what I enjoy and what I think is for the best of the city. And one last thing I need to throw in because I think my time is running out. I want to encourage people to go out for the primary and please support if you're in this district please support bob phillips in the primary because this primary election is his real election and bob phillips needs to be brought back the same way as dan gendron fights for the city of winsocket um, bob phillips fights for winsocket at the state house and we need him to continue doing that dan gendron thank you for being with us on meet the candidates thank you very much roger thank you jeff this has been wnri's upfront Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.